I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So we've been here for so many hours. And <laughs> um, this is going to be the final episode and episode 11, or part 11, um, for Ted Bundy. Yeah. So it's kind of the extra bit. We're going to talk about his his death. Yeah. 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 I don't. Us. We have weird feelings about I'm it. I'm not happy about it. Like we don't like him, but I wish. But I really we wish don't like the death happened. penalty too. <laughs> no. Okay, so um, in an interview that Bundy did the day before he died in 1989, um, Bundy takes full responsibilities for his actions and everything has do- everything he has done, and says that he like deserves the full, um, the like most. Not really. I don't even know how to say it. It's like the full impact of the law and the so and maybe he what, did the request worst the chair punishment. I don't know what he did because well he was offered the option to just agree to the sentence to like just plead guilty and he would be he would avoid the death penalty. Um, yeah, but then he wouldn't get to have his fun narcissistic in, in time at the trial. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what his deal was. Um, he was very terrified. On the day of his execution, there would be statements about all of the witnesses of the execution, about how he couldn't even make it into the room. Like, he had to be carried and lifted onto the electric chair. Um, and he didn't say, any, like, the only thing he said is, like, give my love to my family and my friends. And, um, yeah. So, Who? anyway. Yeah. So, the Do interesting- you have family and friends <laughs> that want your love? <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, okay. So... He would say in this interview that he does that pornography is the sole responsible factor of his violent rampages. That's literally why I was like, I don't want to watch that documentary. And then you were like, no, it's really cool. So I did. But (laughs) yeah, I I just he's I'm like, stop, just stop, just, just stop. Um, he just tries to like, I don't even know. He brings a um a psychologist that's like an advocate for getting rid of porn. And he talks to this specific person. And this person is a religious person, and he wants everyone to like see that he's a good guy, really. And he he blames it on some outside factor. It wasn't really him. It was the porn industry that made him do it. That's not um, even, like, a good thing to point no. to. Like, if you want to point to something, maybe the fact that he thought his mom was his sister. I mean, yes. that's weird. I mean, it's not weird, but it's, like, I can see how that can affect mm-hmm. your perception of women. And all of these obvious <laughs> issues yes, that exactly. were completely undiagnosed, mm-hmm. unaddressed. And, I mean, there's more. There was There's better things to come to his defense with exactly. than pornography. I know. And I just... Don't like the first time I heard it, I laughed. I just laughed at him because how can you not laugh at him for that? That's ridiculous. So anyway, um, he basically is just like waving his finger at America and saying, like, don't watch porn kids or else you'll become a sexual sadist who desires to have to like murder women and then have sex with their corpses. You know what? Maybe you should watch porn because if you <laughs> don't let out all of your sexual needs, then yeah. maybe they'll come out violently. Yeah. Oh, I said it in the last one. Masturbate in your house. That's what I have to say. Yeah. Just masturbate in your house. Exactly. Don't, don't masturbate in someone else's house. That's and so then, rude. And then steal their jewelry. Yeah. Like, don't be the Golden State Killer, okay? Just stop. 
anyway. please. <laughs> Please. That actually reminds me of this. Um, my friend is doing her dissertation on uh-huh. sex dolls, like sex robots. Interesting. And we have had so many conversations about, like, <laughs> are they helpful for people who maybe would otherwise be rapists to express those apparently needed to express feelings mm-hmm. on an inanimate object? Or are they, like, promoting sexual violence and like the dehumanization of women and maybe turning them into more of an object than an actual person yeah because these new ones you can like get them to look exactly like a person and they're like and they're really really they're customizable like that ew yeah and they're like i don't like that they're like thousands of dollars and they're really they're really detailed and they're robots so they i think they like move too but I mean, there's, like, some arguments about, like, well, if someone, the, like, positive things I've heard about it is if someone is experiencing grief, like, the loss of a a partner, that could be helpful. (gasps) Have you seen Black Mirror? Have you seen Uh -uh. that episode? Oh, my God. I don't remember what it's called, but there's literally an episode where. About that? Yes. Where this woman loses her husband and there's this program where you can get a sex robot that looks exactly like your dead relative. That's happening in real life. Oh my or like the better argument I even think is people with disabilities who can't have sex with other people. I mean, they should get to have sex too. So I can see it there. Sure. But yeah, it's really interesting. I think she's going to be like one of the first people to have a really comprehensive like study about it. And oh, that's she's, cool. she's just awesome. So oh I'm excited gosh. about that. But. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting topic, but um, obviously like sex addiction is like a real thing. And um, but this is not what happened. No, it's not what happened. And stop being annoying and mentioning it like that. Yeah. That's why I just hate that. Like, it is weird because he's like, I'm taking responsibility, mm -hmm. but also it was pornography. Yeah. I mean, he (laughs) he sets it up where he's like, I deserve this. Which is like, finally. No, it's not really my fault. Yeah. He says something redeeming, finally. Like, he's finally accepted that he's done all these awful things. And I would even be respected, respect him if he were to say, I had kind of a weird childhood and it made me think about women weirdly. And then that combined with maybe some like anger issues I have manifested itself this way and it got out of hand. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I would act, I would respect that statement, but it's pornography. Like, get a hold of yourself and your Honestly. annoying, <laughs> like, misogynistic explanations for your... Exactly. For your ridiculous attitude. <laughs> and we do expect quite a lot from serial killers who are extremely narcissistic and probably would never say any of these things that we wish they would say. But honestly, but he like kind of did. And then he like, yes, he it. just like retracted it. And the fact that he had just done like a full 48 hours of like confessing to all of these murders in the first person, he was like, <laughs> I killed her. I did this with her body, etc. So it's just weird. 200 um, hours, right? Well, so it's 200 hours, but in the last 48 is when he would actually start to, like, put blame on himself. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so the 200 hours includes all of the um, interviews with all of the different police departments and the interviews with Bob Hagmeyer and the interviews with the um, reporter Stephen uh, McCauld. So it's just, it's a whole mixture of things. Um, so the original date of his execution was delayed quite quite a lot and he spent nine years on death row like I said so 
Theodore Bundy was led finally to the electric chair on January 24th, 1989 at 7 a.m. in the morning, where he would ultimately be killed via electrocution. And I just thought this was really despicable for Florida citizens to show up at the prison with like shirts that said burn Bundy burn. And there was this one sign that I saw that said Kai O. So like Kai Omega, Kai O, Kai O, um, off to hell you go. I was like, this is just ridiculous. That's distasteful. I agree. I thought all of it was distasteful. And one and there's the like first a, one's kind of clever, but yeah, that one's okay. I I will say that. that I mean, I might have laughed at it for like one second, but it's kind of yeah. rude still. <laughs> it is really rude. And people like made T-shirts for this event, and I'm just like, I mean, he has like parents and, and like a he has a daughter now, and he has a a wife or a divorced yeah. wife, whatever. I mean, he has and even Elizabeth, not Elizabeth. What's her name? Carol. Car- not Carol. I just totally forgot her name. The girlfriend. That's Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even even Elizabeth, she loved him for so long, even mm-hmm. though she's like come to her senses. <laughs> right. Like, of course. Still has feelings of love for him, and it's still a human life. Exactly. Like, like we be respectful. That's so rude. I agree. And so I found that to be very despicable. Like I cannot forgive the state of Florida for murdering him. Not only for that, but also for the fact that. He could have told us so much more and we just decided to kill him just to like satisfy our own need to gratify what happened. We will never receive gratification for the possible upwards of 100 murders that he committed yeah, in his lifetime. That statement about add another digit and you'll be right yes. on the mark is like so <laughs> sinister and scary. And, that's, and he said that at the very beginning yeah. in those original three days of interrogation and it's like some of those statements that came out of there were very altruistic and like creepy. And um, I just don't understand. I don't get it. And I'll remind everyone that the whole creation of the behavioral sciences unit, which is used every single day to catch awful people, mm-hmm. was created with the help of serial killers. Yes. That's what the entire show Mindhunter in the book is about. And he is, you know, one of the most like he got away with it for so long and he yeah. escaped and he was able he was like pretty crafty as you would say yeah. you, you say that word a lot uh, yes um, he, uh, that's how i would describe i think he's crafty yeah. i don't think he's smart he's just crafty yeah and so he could have actually done a lot of good for criminal justice and on mm-hmm. top of the fact that i just think it's unethical in general but right and we could have solved more murder cases and we could have studied him and been, mm-hmm. and you know when you can have all of these intense psychological evaluations, which they did, granted, but he was still lying and he was still being this manipulative person. So maybe over time he would have like chilled and actually allowed someone to do a successful psychological evaluation. Uh And then we can say, okay, well, here are, here's like what he had Mm -hmm. and here are signs of that. And then we can prevent it from happening in the the future. future. Exactly. And we'll never be able to do that. So I think it was... I really, really do think that this weird vendetta that Florida had to kill Rob, to kill Bundy, they wanted to be the ones to do it. It was that's just disgusting to me. So I am not pleased with that in any capacity, nor would I be if it was 
John, I, I'm mad that John Wayne Gacy got the death penalty too, just because we could have studied him as well. And for me, at least, I don't want to speak for you, but it, it, to me, it's not even just the issues of how that could be productive in the future. I just mm-hmm. think it's unethical and immoral. One hundred. And a lot of you. people, there's like a really big misconception out there that it's that people will say like, oh, it's so expensive to pay for them to live in the prison. For a long time. It's actually incredibly pricey to execute someone. Yes. And depending on like the length and time in which they would have to be up the upkeep of the prison life for, for that yes. person, it can be it can be more expensive to ex- execute them. Mm-hmm. So if someone says that, just be like, no, that's not true. No, that's <laughs> absolutely. And plus, like, as we see with the Bundy case, like they'll still be alive for a a large amount of time before their execution date yeah. even comes in to fruition. In his case, I feel like I can say with almost certainty that it was more expensive to mm-hmm. execute him. There's a lot so. of like fees and like legal things that go behind that. A lot of people that you have to like pay to mm-hmm. make sure it's done lawfully. Like there's a lot of stuff that you don't think about other than just like putting them on an electric chair, you know? Exactly. And I just think I would I mean, I would have no problem putting tax money down so that we could have Bundy alive and tell us where these missing girls are. I would literally have no problem with that. Or, or just the um, fact that like you live in a society, you pay taxes and you don't, I mean, and we don't kill you, anyone. You benefit from them. Other people benefit yes. from them. Like let's, I hate when people are like, I don't want to, I, I just hate that argument it's like, about I don't wanna, taxes. I don't want to give any of my money Like away. you live in this country, you kind of accept this social contract that you're going to pay money for yeah. all of these things you benefit from like yeah, right and like just stop. the social <laughs> programs that are actually really beneficial but whatever more money to uh to public radio and public broadcasting please that's oh yeah I was, like. <laughs> I was like what are you saying <laughs> that's what i want my yeah, taxes that would be cool. to go to anyway so the mental state of bundy will never really be able to be fully recognized and understood but there was a quote that i think summarized it pretty well so this is from a a study called disassociative identity disorder theory explaining serial murder and murderers and the quote is the fact that there are two different identities among serial murderers functioning at a high and regular levels and committing horrible murders at the same time points to the possible existence of two identities detached from each other, although they may be aware of each other. Let us take the case of Ted Bundy as an example. Considered one of the most severe serial murderers, which questionable, um, Bundy terminated his college studies, went on to study law, and achieved good Results. He worked as a helpline phone assistant and even volunteered for the election campaign of a senator. Yet at the same time, he murdered many women. Um, So I've been saying throughout all these episodes that he has a disassociative identity disorder. And this was the study that I was referencing because I think it's really accurate. I'll have the link to the full study. You can read the whole thing online. It's really interesting. I didn't read all of it. Sorry. But from what they had about just like serial killers and murderers, um, it was really cool to read about, at least for me. I just wanted to say like the final victim count that I found was 31 victims, including Shelly Robertson from Colorado, who um, was not originally confirmed as a Bundy victim, but Um, So the police department in Golden is like 99% sure that Bundy is responsible for this. He also tentatively confessed. He said, I don't want to talk about that when he when someone brought up Shelly Robertson. Um, So we would have uh, 10 full murders in Washington with three unknown. 
three in Oregon with two unknown, two in Idaho, one we don't know, four in Colorado. We actually know all four who were murdered in Colorado. And then three in Florida and eight in Utah. So all of those numbers combined comes up to 31 total victims that have um, been confirmed victims of Ted Bundy. So in addition to that, we have a few that are not confirmed but are suspected. And then there are also a few that are were suspected but are no longer confirmed. Um, so I wanted to just give that brief little list because like some of the names that pop up in Anne Rule's book have actually been disproven recently. So yeah, and her, I hate to say that her information is incorrect, but her information is incorrect about some of the confessed murders in the back of the book, um, at least from what the the extensive research that I did on it, the ones that I said he confessed to, those are the ones he confessed to, in addition to a few unidentified victims in California and um, another in Idaho. Um, so, yeah. So here are the supposed killings. I won't go into too much detail, but I'll just give like location, age, and date of disappearance. So the first is Anne Marie Burr. Um, she disappeared on August 31st, 1961. So he would have been 15 when this happened. He was actually asked about this and he denied it constantly, which is why I didn't put her on the list as she often is on the list. Again, I really like, I'm very tentative to say anything before 74. Uh, so yeah, so she was only eight years old and she would disappear from her house um, and that was in Tacoma, Washington. And then Lonnie Trumbull and Lisa Wick on June 23rd, 1966 in Washington. So actually, Lisa Wick would survive, but they were brutally attacked in their apartment building. And so unfortunately, nothing has really been found out about either of them. And Lisa Wick is pretty private. Oregon, unfortunately, didn't even get to question Bundy while he was on death row. So there are two murders that they think are related to him, but they never were able to ask him because they weren't invited to go down and ask him about their open murder cases, despite the fact that he had murdered Roberta in Oregon. So Rita Jolly on June 29th, 1973 in West Lynn, Oregon, and then Vicki Lynn Holler on August 20th, 1973 in Eugene, Oregon. Both of them fit Bundy's type. Nothing has been confirmed yet, and neither of their bodies have been found. So Catherine Devine was killed in November of 1973. She was hitchhiking when she disappeared. And the whole thing fits Bundy's M.O., but according to DNA found on her body, she had actually been killed by a rapist who was in prison when the DNA was tested. His name is William E. Cosden Jr. She was officially cleared as one of Bundy's victims. She's the first victim that Anne Rule mentions in her book, so I just wanted to clarify that. She is no longer a victim of Ted Bundy, and we have DNA evidence to prove that. So Brenda Baker was 15 when she ran away from home on May 25th, 1974. I'm very tentative about this one because it was during the time it was in Washington when Bundy was taking all of his victims to Taylor Mountain. She was found wrapped up in a rug in a park. So that's not really something he would 
do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also don't think she was sexually assaulted. And at this point, Bundy was sexually assaulting all of his victims. He had been doing that from the beginning. So Martha Morrison and Carla Valenzuela um, on September 1st, 1974 in Portland, Oregon. They were officially ruled not victims of Ted Bundy in 2015 with the use of DNA testing. The suspect would be positively identified as Warren Leslie Forrest um, after they had matched his DNA to a bloodstain on a pistol that had been found by both of their bodies. Carla's body actually wasn't ID'd until much later, but Martha was said to have been a victim of Bundy's. And Melanie Cooley, this one is really interesting because there's a back and forth on whether or not he's she's confirmed or not. But uh, she disappeared in Colorado on um, April 15th, 1975, and she, her body was found on May 2nd, 1975. Gas receipts place Bundy near where she was abducted. But according to the Denver Post, the police departments are no longer looking into Bundy as a suspect. I could not find any tapes that said that he confessed to her murder, despite the fact that many different locations that I looked at... Um, Um, like websites and things said that he confessed to them, but literally nowhere did I find any sort of confession to this. So if anybody has found that, I would love to hear it. So if you find Melanie Cooley's confession, um, or well, the confession of the murder of Melanie Cooley, let me know. So Nancy Bayard is next on July 4th, 1975 in East Layton, Utah, never confessed, but is a lead suspect And she was abducted from a gas station where she worked. And apparently she was abducted by someone in a truck. Bundy didn't have a truck. I don't know. So Debbie Smith is going to be the final person in February of 1976. So Salt Lake City is like convinced that he did this, but he was on trial in February 1976. (laughs) So he would be in Seattle in early February and would be sent down to Utah, was in prison, and then was on trial on February 20th that year. So... I'm like yeah. 100% sure he didn't do that. But they still have him as a suspect, so that's fine. So those are the ones that really stuck out to me. Their names pop up every once in a while. If there's anyone else, sorry, I didn't mention them. Um, and so before we close out, I'd like to finish up with a quote from the lovely Anne Rule. Ted was never as handsome, brilliant, or charismatic as crime folklore has deemed him. A virtual non-entity before he was suspected of a series of horrific crimes, he somehow became all of those things as the media embraced him. I don't even think Ted knew what he was really like. That's it. So thank you so much for hanging on with us for 11 parts to this episode. And Randy has a final question. Statement. Final statement. Yeah. So I just think that the whole time we're listening to this, thinking about how we're like the age of all these victims Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's like, it's interesting to talk about, but then it's shocking when you think about just seriously, like what happened, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, if you like really try to like just conceptualize that it's an, it's awful. Right. Um, and I appreciate that you mentioned all of the victims. So as someone who's interned in victim advocacy, <laughs> I think that a yeah. lot of times that victims are get totally lost in the story. And, Absolutely. you know, I mean, honestly, it's just that it's not as interesting as like the juicy murder killer details. Uh-huh. And that's fair. But of I think course. it's great 
that we are like respecting them and that mm-hmm. you did all that research because I know it was hard. So <laughs> good job. I loved it so much. So um, yeah, thanks for letting me t- ramble at you for like so long, like six hours. Six hours, yeah. It was um, fun. Yes, I had a great time with it. I hope that um, everyone who listened learned a little bit something new about um about Ted Bundy. So yeah, so that's the the uh, life of American serial killer uh, Theodore Robert Bundy. And uh, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.